Welcome to the New Testament Church of the Firstborn Facebook Live. All right, uh, it YouTube is live. YouTube Live. YouTube Live, everything live. Everything, everything is alive. It's alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for tuning in on a Wednesday night, all you folks that are playing the home game uh, out there in TV land. Um, we are we're quite lonely here tonight. Yeah, actually. it's just just us right now. Us and, we uh, tell jokes. Curtis and uh, <laughs> we could tell jokes. Okay, I got I, one for you. Okay, 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 okay. No, you do it. You all right, so all right, so a priest, an atheist, and a rabbit walk into a bar. The rabbit looks at the priest and the atheist, and he says, "Guys, I think I'm a typo." <laughs> <laughs> that was a dad joke. <laughs> uh, okay. <go. laughs> I've always wanted to try my hand at stand-up comedy. <laughs> Kevin would say, keep your day job. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. God, that made me forget the rest of mine now. No! Oh, think of no it it was, uh, <laughs> how, do you, how do you weigh a pie? How do you weigh a pie? How do you weigh a pie? In grams. No. Somewhere over the rainbow. Way oh. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Hadley sent me that one last night. Oh, I love it. Oh, I can't take it. credit for that one. That is a dad joke for sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, so let's get on with the show here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, we're certainly thankful that you're tuning in. Um, we've got several folks that we need to pray for, uh, families and um folks that we're connected to, that we are believing God for miracles, for intervention. We're just, we're just believing and having faith in God and what he said he is fully capable of doing. Um, and, you know, basically the way Jesus put it was that if you'll, if you'll pray and believe, then God will move for you. Yep. I mean, that's really in a nutshell um, how he says it. So, uh, we certainly are standing in faith. That doesn't mean that our doubts don't pop up, our fears don't pop up, we don't get worried about things. That just means that in spite of all of that, and in the face of all those things that come up within us, and those thoughts that say it'll never happen, and it's impossible uh, that, that we stand firm on that word, uh, that He is our healer, that He is our deliverer, that He is our shield and our, and our portion, that He's all those things that we need wrapped up in this one person that's the person of Jesus so we just believe on that name tonight we want to pray for uh, Brad Jonas and his family uh, his father is in the hospital uh, and they've got him in the ICU and he's it's not looking good for him so we, we certainly want to pray and believe with Brad and his family uh, we want to remember Wesley Baker uh, and we want to remember his his daughters which one of them happens to be my wife, Chelsea, and, and Clarissa, and their family uh, as they continue to work through um, his diagnosis. Uh, we want to pray and believe for a miracle in that situation, and certainly for his salvation as well. Uh, and we remember all those who are sick, and we, I, I think that uh, Sister Teresa Williams um, has come through COVID, but she's still dealing with some things, so we want to pray for her and remember her tonight. Um, I think that's uh, A.J. Presley. We want to remember him and his family. 
uh, certainly, certainly thankful for everything that God has done there. He's, yeah. He is awake. Uh, he knows his name and all of that stuff. So uh, we, we are definitely thankful for that. But we do want to pray for um, that family. And we, we they, they move him where? Okay. So he's going right. to a regular room. Okay. Okay, okay. I got you, got you. So still I see you, but a little bit lesser care. Okay, awesome. That's that's a good thing. So, And we want to remember uh, Howard Wilson tonight uh, and continue to pray for him as he's in the hospital dealing with multiple different things going on there, but certainly want to want to remember him. So um, let's let's pray and believe with us and pray with us tonight. And we're, we're joining in faith with you for whatever it is that you need. Heavenly Father, God, we, we do thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Father, to share the gospel on a platform that is unprecedented and, and uh, totally new to the human race that we don't even have an idea of what the implications of the things that we say and do uh, with this technology, God, but we're so thankful for the opportunity to be able to spread the gospel that is the good news of Jesus Christ and eternal life and, and all of the things that get wrapped up in this good news message. God, we're so thankful for the opportunity to share it tonight and for all of those who, who are listening now and who will listen 10 years from now. Uh, but Father, we come to you tonight humbly uh, with our hearts heavy and and carrying many burdens, God, and we ask, Lord, that you would move on the behalf of those that we hold dear to us, God, those people that we hold in our hearts, those people that are suffering, that are struggling, God, those that are sick and hurting. Father, we lift up Howard Wilson tonight. We lift up Wesley Baker, God. We lift up A.J. Presley, and we ask, Father, that you would move in a mighty way in all of their lives, God, that you would bring healing about in their bodies, God, a total recovery and restoration. Father, though the doctors may say that things look grim and things look down and things look bad, we know that the maker, the creator of those bodies, of those temples, God, that you can restore it. You said that, that, that this temple would be raised and in three days it would be brought back to life, God. And we're so thankful that you weren't talking about stones that were stacked up on top of each other, but you were talking about the body that you inhabited. And we believe the same for those that are walking amongst us and that live and that we're connected to, God. God, that, that you can raise them up and that you can totally restore them into a new and healthy body. God, a renewed and a refreshed body. Lord, that you can cause their mortality to put on immortality, God. And we just ask, Lord, that you would just move in a mighty way in all their situations, God. We ask that you would touch uh, Brad Jonas and his family, God, as they gather around their father as he's there in the ICU. We're asking for a miracle on the behalf of their family, God, on the behalf of the children and the grandchildren, Lord, that you would raise him up out of that place and bring him out of that, that place of sickness and death, Lord. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory and the, all the honor, God, God, I pray that you would just be with us here tonight as we break bread and as we commune not only with each other but with you, Father, that you would be in our midst, God, and that you would cause us to have new revelation as we drink of the, the water of your word, that it would be transformed into this new wine, God, whereby we can be sustained and we can understand anew and afresh what it is to live in this life, God, and to, and to be Christ to the world and to show the world what it is to, to not only be a human, but to live as you in the earth, as, as a God 
in the earth, Lord. And we give you the praise and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to let you uh, start us off, kick us off here. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow in right in behind you, Brett. All right. Hope everybody listening is doing well. Um, so Sunday, uh, <coughs> which we, we, me and Michael talked about this on, on Sunday after, just because uh, it, it just felt like God had, had really moved for us and moved as a family and that God had moved personally for me because it was, it was how much it blessed me to see my little girl Hadley, you know, she, she raise her hands and, and yeah. get involved in the music and get involved because, you know, for one, it's a song that she really likes Yep. and she has to listen to it every morning when we go to school. And so it, it's a beautiful thing to see many, many, many prayers answered yeah. in, in a moment like yep. that where your family is there together and you're praying in the Holy Ghost and God is with you. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, Pastor began to talk about God and the, the many varied ways in which God manifests himself yeah. and not to limit him to a, you know, quote-unquote Godhead or anything like that. You, yeah. know, and a, you know, a lot of the, of obviously what we believe at, at our church is, uh, we believe that Jesus is the name of that God, and if that if that all of a sudden makes you turn off the rest of of what we're going to say here tonight, <laughs> then I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but we're not talking about modalism. Uh, modalism is is the critique of a lot of this type of theology, and all that is is just a a a theological term that someone would use to attempt to say that well God came in modes instead of. You know the Father mode, the God, mo you know, the, oh, yeah, the yeah. Son mode, yep. Holy Spirit mode. Yep. But these three being one, so if if anything, the Trinity and the oneness theology they both complement each other. If they would truly, that's right, truly look at what each of them believe for yep. one. Yep. But um, you know, it, it, it's and then of course you know they want to know how you baptize at that point, which that's like, oh, well, okay, well in faith, that's like what Pastor says, <laughs> yeah. or he'll say, We're, well in, in peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, unless yeah. you got I an mean, allergy, we use water. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like what's the, what are we talking about? Like, yeah. Are, are yeah. we really talking about what? Are we really talking about a work of faith, or are we talking about a yes. way in which that you can come up with a delineation? Yep. Are we talking about a way in which that you can come up with a way to segregate, segregate the body of Christ? It. Yep. And that's, that's essentially what that comes down to. Yep. Whether you have a T on your flag or an O on your flag, whether you're Trinitarian or oneness, they both say the same thing. Yep. That Jesus is also God. That God is also Jesus. Yep. That there's a Father, there's a Son, there's a Holy Spirit. And these three agree in one. They are one. There's one faith. There's one baptism. There's one Lord. And there's one that's name it. above all of them. That's and if it. you've been baptized, if you've been buried into that name, like Romans 6 says, I've been resurrected into the same resurrection as Jesus. Yep. And one day that Michael and I were talking about it was, it was we're talking about the overlap of the overlap of what happens in past, present, and future when you're baptized. You go down into the water in a present moment. And that present moment, when I come out of the water in the newness of life, or I come out with with the power of resurrection, I'm experiencing a, a symbol, but also experiencing the trueness of the resurrection that is to come in my body if I go by the way of the grave or yeah. however the future looks for me, that 
this present moment connects with a future moment that I've yet to experience. And but because those two connect, well, the reason that those two connect is because of a past moment that took place when Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and was rose and, and rose again. So in that one moment, past present and future all interlap and overlock in one moment and I experience what the Bible calls eternity yep. and what a lot of times you call a kairos moment yeah. or kairos in the middle of chronos <clears throat> and pastor began to talk about the not to not to make it sound the way a lot of you know a lot of liberal politics want to talk about fluidity that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the many and varied ways in which God can reveal himself and has revealed himself in times past. That in, in diverse times yep. or in, in different times in diverse yep. manners yep. that God revealed himself. That's yep. a scripture that's in your King James Bible quoted <laughs> right. with your King James language. Yes. And the way in which God begins to reveal himself and one of them and a lot of what we talk about Tonight, what we'll talk about on Sunday, what we've talked about as you read and you, you scroll through numerous YouTube videos, numerous sermons, thousands of sermons that have been preached in this church, if you begin to really look at the overarching picture of what we're trying to show over and over and over again are the many varied ways in which God has revealed himself in times past and the varied ways that God reveals himself to each of us. And one of those ways that I want to talk about tonight, one of them is about mercy. And Sunday, it, it made me think of a story that I'd read. I read this, uh, I'm, reading a, I'm reading a new book, and a couple weeks ago, the author, or I, I, wrote, I read in the book a couple weeks ago, get my Kronos and Kairos timelines right here in my head. <laughs> but I was reading, uh, reading this book, and he begins to talk about a, a moment that happened in 2019 when Notre Dame, the famous cathedral in Paris, was burned. And he kind of predicates the story with saying that you know Paris is is a very when it comes to their their uh, a lot of ideologies, cultural uh, politics, things like that, it can be very liberal. So there's not much of a church going mentality in the city of Paris. There's also, uh, you know, you've got, uh, who was it that was the father of, of a, uh, uh, atheism back during the Enlightenment? The Enlightenment came during the time out of, out of Paris, out of France. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's traditionally been a place where there's not really a desire for God or the things of God. Yes. But the day that Notre Dame was burning, you had people who had probably never really darkened the pews of the church right. ever for a service or for communion or anything for that matter, but they all gathered that night for a vigil outside the church because the truth is when everything starts to burn down, everybody wants it to be there. Yeah. Everybody wants the stability of the church to be there. And this is something that pastors talked about, I don't know how many times, oh, yeah. Yeah. Of, of how many people will call him now, they might not come back to this church, or they might not come back to really to, to be a member here or, or even submit to his, his teaching or yeah. anything that oh, yeah. he would do to submit to anybody for that matter. Right. But they want you to be there in the time of trouble. And it's something that, that this church has been here for 
a few decades now. I think we're working on 30, 35 years, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, for, for at least three decades, people have been able to come here and, re and, and remember a place where they were able to receive some grace, receive some mercy, and receive some help in the time of suffering. And they want it to be there. And the thing that he begins to talk about in that story about the burning of the church, you know, the next morning they really realized that it wasn't as bad. The, the burning uh, was not as bad as they had really imagined. And the reason that it was, because you had these brave firefighters. There was a group, the story goes, that there's a group of firefighters that thought it would be too dangerous to climb the spiral staircase. So they didn't do it. They just said, we're, we're not going to extinguish the flame up right. there. We're not going to do it. And a group of firefighters said, no, this is a, this is, this is a staple to our community. This wow. belongs here. We got to say we have to save it. Wow. So these few firefighters bravely take the hose, take everything that they can up there, and they extinguish the flames, and it saved the rest of the church. Yeah, saved and, it from and it burning down. It turned out to not be as bad as what right. they thought, right? right. Yeah. Because because of those brave guys that went up there and and made it happen for yeah. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but the the next morning was what was one of the other things that that this writer begins to talk about is the picture that came out on Tuesday morning of you have this crumbling, I almost wish that I could put it up is, on is a screen for you to see it. Is there a way to put that it. picture up there, Jacob? If I send it to you, possibly, if we, or something. I mean, could we get an image captured in there at some point? Maybe in editing okay, or something. Yeah. I can, so, I can so figure can, out a way to send it to you. Yeah, come back and watch but, this again. Yeah, come back and watch this again uh, when it's not live, and I'll, I'll send, a, uh, send a picture of this, and probably it might be playing right now while I'm talking. It's but if worth you look, seeing. If you look at the picture, and I've got it, I, I saved it on my phone, of uh, it's two images. One is the image of light shining in from the side of the building that next morning, and you see this crumbled roof where the roof had completely caved in right there in the middle of the, the main hall or the main sanctuary, and it's black, it's burned, it's, it's burnt to a crisp, but here's this light shining in from the side. But the zoomed-in picture of the front of the altar, there's the this ancient marble statue of Mary holding the dead body of Jesus. And behind that is this golden cross. Yeah. And even behind that are the stained glass windows that don't have any soot on them. Yeah. They have nothing to show that yeah. there's any burn, burn of any sort, but the light is shining through that stained glass window. And what he begins to talk about is the inevitability of catastrophe and the reality of catastrophe. Yeah. That catastrophe and chaos, we, we, we want to avoid, even right now, even just now, just thinking, I, I don't want to say the inevitability of catastrophe. But regardless yeah. of how yeah. much I, I don't want to say it and how, much un, how uncomfortable it makes me, yeah. there's still an inevitability of catastrophe and chaos and suffering is what the Bible calls it. Yeah, there's a, a term in psychology that's kind of coming to be known now. You know, it's being brought out that <clears throat> there's this thing called toxic positivity. <laughs> and what it is is yeah. people take uh, just the worst possible things yeah. and they say, oh, well, it'll be okay. Oh, it'll be all right. Yeah. Um, I was reading earlier again in uh, the book is called Ruthless Trust. <laughs> <clears throat> and it's uh, written by Brendan Manning, and you know how much of a fan I am of him, uh, or of his writings, but he 
So he writes in the book, he's talking about, it's, it's, he's actually talking about, the title of the chapter is The Enormous Difficulty. Mm. He's talking about the goodness of God. Mm. But he gives all these examples of these things that people have suffered. And so mm. he says, how, how hard for Ann Donovan when she delivered a stillborn baby. She said, those things I had relied on, modern science, women's intuition, God's mercy, had failed and I had nothing to hold on to. When friends offered well-meaning words of condolence, such as, it was God's will, we cannot understand God's will, told her how privileged she should feel that now she has her very own baby angel. The only taste in her mouth was ashes. So you have these people... Uh, I mean, that's a heart. That's, so that's a heartbreaker. That's so vivid to hear. And it, it, it is, is it not? I mean, but how many times do you have? And so many more times in church, it seems like, than in you know society out in out in normal society or whatever. But you have mm. this toxic positivity that oh, everything's going to be great. Oh no, don't worry about it. Oh, just let it roll off your back. Mm. Oh, don't sweat it. Or even the even worse, in my opinion, is the well, I'll pray for you, brother. Hope you feel better. You know that kind of thing, like. Sort of, it, two things happen there, right? Like people, um, they, they uh, what's the term? Um, they, not disqualify, that's not what I'm looking for, but basically they, they sort of tone down your feelings, right? They, uh, oh, yeah, they, they want to sweep them. Yeah, they, they want to like, like. They don't want to interact with it. Exactly. They don't want to interface. Wanna, yeah, yeah. They don't want to, they don't want to get in, in it with you and wrestle the idea, right? right. They don't want to wrestle the, 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 well, that, that you might be having a really terrible time and they don't have the words for you. Right. And they don't have the thing to say to you. And it's like, so, so they offer this, what they call, this toxic positivity. And it's the same thing that we teach people is that, well, if you'll just wake up and say that today's going to be a good day and that you're not going to be mad and you're going to be all happy and chipper and... Yeah. It's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's, like, not, uh, it's what, not to say you don't have good days. What were all their names? Job's Miserable Comforters. Exactly, Eli, yeah. Or Elihu and... Oh, gosh, where are they? Well, you, but, yeah. you can look it up yourself. I was... I was just, I'm doing it with one hand over here, like I'm gonna Absolutely. figure it out with you know. But, Absolutely. But it's it's Job's miserable comforters for them yep. to try and well, you know, the, the, this could have this should have just come upon you because of some sin. Yep. Or yep. Uh, maybe it's that you haven't prayed enough, or you haven't fasted enough, or you yes. haven't you haven't understood God, or maybe you've maybe you know what what is it, Job? What's yes. wrong with you, yep. Job? And it's it's because you they they don't want to confront it because. At the same time, they know the inevitability within themselves, or to them. they don't want to experience it. They don't want to experience the darkness. They don't want to experience the other side of God. Yep. They don't want to experience the other side of the day of the Lord. Well, it's the, Job. It's like you said. Yes, Job. I mean, do you go to Job one? The the yeah. conversation with God and Satan between God and Satan is is. Uh, how does Satan put it? He says, "Was not Job believe believe God for uh, for naught or something yeah, like that?" Something but the word um, is gracefulness. Doesn't huh. doesn't Job believe God because he's so graceful to him? Yeah, that's that's what, yeah. The, that's that's what he asks. Yep. Is that not the question? Yeah, Let's we can go there. Let's, Let's, go there. Let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go there. This is Bible study. It's Bible Let's, study time. I mean, this. It's, we've got all night here. <laughs> Job oh one. Oh I've got notes in here about Job, by the way. All right. I've got. I love it. I'm glad that you see we're here. 
We're right That's here. That's it. It's right We're there. Right, here. <laughs> right there. Oh, my God. Job. Some of also Job's character. There was the day when the sons of God, uh, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and wake, wake, walking up and down it. The Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered my servant Job, mm. that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Let's get down to the point where he says, And yep. the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Verse 9. Nine, there it is, there it is. There. Oh, I scrolled. Doth Sorry. Job fear God for naught? Yeah. But the word is gracefulness, and if you take it a step further, it basically is our term for grace. Hmm. Does not Job believe God because he's graceful? Yeah. He's only graceful. Or, he's only ever graceful. Well, you've shown this. You've shown some sort of superabundant exactly. grace towards yes. him. Yes. And he's never suffered. And he even goes on in verse 10. Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Mm. Thou hast blessed the works of his hand mm. and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. So, I mean, just let him suffer something, and he'll be cursing God in in, in a matter of in a matter of minutes. Yep. That's what is is what the accuser said. But you know, go, going back to that that toxic positivity, like you said, people don't want to face down the reality of their suffering or or someone else's suffering, and so they'll just gloss over it. They dismiss that was the word I was looking for. They dismiss your feelings, and what that does too is it causes you to question. Gosh, am I? Even, I mean, should I be that worked up about that? Should I really feel that way about that? And don't get me wrong; people get emotional about things that they probably shouldn't get so emotional about. But at the same time, we should not be dismissing someone's someone's feelings, someone's emotion, someone's grief, someone's yeah. suffering in that moment. Right. You should, when you empathize, and that's something that's difficult for people to do. It seems like today, but when you empathize with someone, it's where you literally say, "You put their clothes on, you put their shoes on, yeah. you put their hat on." You, you put on their backpack, and you walk a mile in them, mm -hmm. and all of that. That's empathy. Yeah. Anyway. The thing about Job 2 is what is in chapter 2 when the accuser or Satan reapproaches God, and he's trying to find an angle on him. He's, the, the accuser is trying to find an angle on him on how to afflict him or how to touch him in some way, but we get a clear picture of why God says in chapter 1, have you considered my servant Job? Mm -hmm. And it's in 2 verse 6, And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. And the word is nephesh, it's soul. Save oh, his soul. God, it's God good. is giving the command. That's good. So again, the many varied, diverse ways in which God has revealed himself in times past, here is one in which God is revealing himself as the salvation of Job's soul, not through his grace, no. not through the grace yeah. of giving a superabundant grace to him, not through gifting him with all of his animals and all of his children and all of his livestock and all of his money and all of his wealth and everything that Job has in his life, but God is saving his soul through suffering. Wow. And nobody wants that. 
I would be the first one to stand in line to say, I, if there's a way to not sign up for this, if there's a way to get my name off the list, right. then let's do something about it. And Jesus is the one that showed us the exact same pattern, that Jesus is in the garden, and he's praying, yeah. and his sweat becomes great drops of blood, and said, if there is any way that we can make this cup pass from me, yes. then give it to somebody else. But the thing about Jesus is that he had already passed the cup of the Passover all the way around that table to those disciples. And he had passed the cup all the way around to everyone, even to the one that had betrayed him. That's good. And he passed the cup also to the one who would deny him that night. And he passed the cup to the one Thomas who would doubt his existence yeah. and doubt his resurrection. That Jesus gave the cup of his blood to those men that night and the, the cup had already been passed. The cup had already moved. It was time for Jesus now to take of the cup of his suffering. So good. This is going back to the Notre Dame story. Yes. <clears throat> I, I didn't realize this until I was reading what this guy was saying about it, but he starts to do the recollection of, of the story of the day that the, the, the cathedral began to burn. It was on Holy Monday, which is the, the Monday, the week that leads up to Easter Sunday. So Holy Monday. And the observances that they do for Holy Monday, it's the, they go through the book of Matthew for Holy Monday, and they talk about the day that Christ's authority was questioned, the day that he cursed the fig tree because it didn't bear fruit, and the day that he... Clean, cleansed the money changers out of the temple. And not that, not that it's, it's completely prophetic or that it's, you know, maybe it's just coincidental. But maybe, again, it's another way in which we can find God revealing himself through a story that, it, that, that affects us in our current day. But this church, this ancient cathedral is burning, and here's a city that's, that's really outside of God, that they don't really want to enter into the church until they actually need it. But that's also the reason the church is there. It's there for that purpose. Mm -hmm. Even though that there's, thank God that we have the faithful older brothers that remain on the farm who sometimes can become prodigals in themselves, but the church and the home of the Father is also there for the prodigals that wonder and want to come back. Yep. but still may go back out and still may go back to the pig slot. They still may go out and do their own thing, but the house of the Father still remains and will have a party every time they come home. That's right. So mercy for both. But you've, you've got this situation where the, this church is burning down on the day that they recognize the day that Christ's authority was questioned. When the, the, the priest came to him and asked him, by what authority... Do you preach? By what authority do you say all of these things that you, you, you speak? And the reason that they say that is the one that led up to it, the moment that leads up to it. And I think it's Matthew, uh, I forgot to write it down, Matthew, Matthew 21. 21 yeah. Matthew 21. So in Matthew 21, he, he throws the money changers out of the temple. Mm-hmm. He's cleaning the temple because he says, my father's house will be what? My father's house will be a house of prayer. prayer. My, my, my father's house is not a place for you to make merchandise of people. My father's house is not a place for you to benefit so that your pocketbook can benefit. This is not a place so that your business can benefit. So now, maybe I'm talking a little bit too fast because it, it does excite me to get through this. I've got so many notes here, and I've, I've tried to narrow some of them down to one page, but I keep flipping back to these other ones. It's... <clears throat> But that's good. It's, I, but I, it's the purpose. So it's what happens in, in the modern day church. Yes, yes. You've got business owners that'll come to the modern day church 
and it's it's going to be well what connection can I make here? Yep. It, who here needs my whatever business that I've got to, yep. you know, who else can I sell to? Whatever the, what other account can I get in here? Yep. And you know, who can I sell insurance to here? Who yep. can I do whatever? And now it becomes that, that that's that that's the exact same way that the money changers were in the temple that day. And that's not the purpose of the house of God. The how they said his father's house is a house of prayer. So right. it's a place of contemplation. And we've talked about this before. We have, yeah. It's a place where you 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 so, dive into yeah. the depth of your soul. But if you're going to behave the way that Job's miserable comforters behave, and you're going to try and circumvent uh, suffering yes. in order to receive mercy, yep. you can't circumvent the suffering. You can't circumvent the need of mercy yep. in order to obtain mercy. Yep. Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Yep. Now, if you are merciful, that merciful to someone that means that you've been done wrong yep that means that you have received suffering in some way but you gave mercy anyway and jesus gives this very pertinent point to say blessed are the merciful or, or blessed are those who have suffered but forgave anyway yep. those people will obtain mercy yeah. why because inevitably you will need it. Yes. Inevitably, you will find your place in a position of Job. Inevitably, you will find yourself in a place where you may have lost everything and everything that's important to you and everything that you've ever wanted in your life. Mm. And now you are the one who is suffering and you're the one that's there in the pit or you've made your bed in the belly of hell mm. or you've lost everything, not by your choice or not by your own will or not by anything that you've done, but you still find yourself in a place where I need to approach the throne of God where I might find grace and obtain mercy. God, that's good. That you find yourself in a place where you need mercy. So blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And that's what happens in the story of Job. Yeah. Job is merciful to his miserable comforters. Yeah. Job does not curse them, even though he curses curses the day he was born yeah. curses everything else curses you know all of the, but he he never curses these men that are trying you know attempting to help him by yeah. saying you know what just like you said well, you'll get through it bud yeah. you'll be all right you know yeah. uh, you know joy comes in the morning and that's what we're going to wait for oh is joy God. in the morning and they never actually get into the mess with you no. if you it's like the numerous times that I've watched Pastor Kevin or Pastor Scott or Pastor Curtis, that they will slowly and painstakingly take the time that is needed to yeah. get in to the mess, yep. get into the weeds. I mean, this is as soon as as soon as one rabbit trail starts, there's there's sixteen more down there, and they'll they'll explore all sixteen of them <laughs> if it means getting you back to this other point yes. right here where God is your Savior and Jesus is Lord. Yep. If it means getting you back to the place where you obtain mercy, and I've never seen more merciful people because these are men who have obtained mercy in their time of need. Now they can be merciful as well, and in the time of their suffering, they've been given mercy. And the thing that it that that a lot of this spurs off of too is there's a I was listening to a podcast this week and they're retelling a story of a church that had collapsed and 
all of the chaos that ensued after it and the people that have literal PTSD and have to go through counseling at the end of all of this. And there's a man who, unfortunately, he had committed suicide, but before he commits suicide, he's talking about this man and he said he's not a merciful man because he's never gone through suffering. Now, here's a man who, about three months after he makes that statement, would commit suicide. Mm. But he, he's making this statement to say, and he was, he was trying to save his son because his son was becoming this bombastic and very aggressive Christian theology that, that truly does not get into the goodness of God. Right. It is all law. It is all what, how you earn your way into the kingdom of God. It is the, it is the worst version of works-based theology that I've ever heard. And he said, son, you're becoming a hard man. And here's a man who has mental problems. Who has issues, and here he is, is trying guy, to. This yeah. is the pastor's father. No, no, no. This third. was just another. It's just another. Okay, a, okay. A, gotcha. a, a father and his son that went to the church. Gotcha. Okay. And it's just an offshoot story of yeah. of another example as to why poor leadership in a church leads to these types of stories. Gotcha. And how okay. it leads to these types of so his situations. His son was learning from the pastor. His son and is. Yeah. His son is learning this bombastic yeah. and just aggressive. Yep. way and that's not the way that god treats right people. that's not right. the way that's not the goodness of the father it's and the goodness of god that leads to repentance not the not this this you know and crude so 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 crude from the pulpit cussing from the pulpit cussing from not not that any of you know if, if <laughs> not saying that i don't say words sometimes that i don't get mad when i'm driving down the road but i'm not going to get up and preach that stuff either right i'm going to follow what the bible said about the uh, about an elder in the book of Titus or in First Timothy five that they're gentle. Yeah, that the man of God is going to be gentle, <laughs> and that's the, this man was not right. was not gentle, and he was turning this man's son into into an aggressive and angry person. Yeah, and while you're trying to preach the gospel with that type of anger, and I think we've you've heard we've heard Pastor talk about his pastor and how yeah. Yeah. you get up and beat the people up for an hour and a half for yeah. however long your sermon could last. We're gonna. We're gonna wear on everybody. We're gonna beat everybody in the church up, and you know it's yep. it's you know whoop me harder, Jesus, or you know punish me, Jesus. Give me more, give me more of that. And that's not yeah. that's not the suffering it's, we're talking about. The, that's the that's punishment. Yeah, that's exactly. not learning from a situation. That's not walking through right. maybe even hell itself to yeah. get to the other side of light. That is turning you into an aggressive and angry person. And the story that this man tells. He says that he tells his son, "You're becoming an aggressive man. Yeah. You're coming. You're becoming a difficult man." Yeah. And he said, "You're becoming like him, and he doesn't know mercy because he's never suffered. Wow. And he's never truly gone through the suffering. He tried to circumvent the suffering. Yeah. And this is this pastor. This man is. He had a, he had a rough childhood. He had a rough childhood where he had to fight his way through. But instead of the fighting becoming mm. something that humbles him." He, he won all of his fights. Mm. And uh, Josh Kello will tell you, he, he, said, he, said, he said, I was up here until I lost a fight one time. <laughs> he yes. said, I was top of the world until it humbled me yeah. because I lost a fight. Oh, 
only takes one. It only takes one. But you need it. And see, you need it. You have a, to have that loss. Otherwise, you won't understand the humility. You won't understand the suffering. And you'll still try to circumvent it because, well, I've won all my other fights. Absolutely. I've won all my yep. other contests. Yep. I'm circ- I've circumvented it. And when you circumvent it, you do what Pastor said. You subjugate the grace of God. Yep. Or you subvert, not subjugate. Yep. You subvert the grace of God. Yep. You subvert the will of God. Now, any time that the, circumvent, the circumvention takes place, you're trying to work around the suffering of Jesus. Yep. Now, if you can do that, if you can take your own suffering out of it, then what you've done inevitably is take the suffering of Jesus out of it. Yep. And when you take the cross away from the Christian faith, we don't have another faith to go on. Yeah. There's no, if there's no death, then there's no resurrection. If there's no resurrection, Paul said, we don't have a faith. Otherwise, you can't get to the scripture where Jesus says, take up your cross. Yes. And follow me. Yes. Have your own way of suffering. Have yep. your own way of life that you walk through that sometimes might begin as a sadism. It might begin as you, you put yourself or you, you, what the Bible says is, is uh, crucifying the members of your body. And walking not in the flesh, but walking in the spirit. And choosing not to do these things. And it's like what Jesus said. Some of these spirits only come out by prayer and fasting. Some of these things will only come about by the ascetism. By giving things up. By sacrificing. But that's a form of suffering. It is. is. Even prayer. I mean, and prayer and study. It can be be a, uh, what what is the, uh, study can be a... uh, Wearisome to the flesh. Wearisome to the flesh. Yes, gosh. But, you know, wearisome to the flesh, uh, you know, but nevertheless, you're feeding your spirit, right? Right. And it's the same with with prayer. I mean, prayer can be be tough. Whatever your posture is, you're down on your knees, you're laying in the floor, you're doing whatever, and you spend all of this time thinking through these things and and saying these things and contemplating these things, and the same with the fasting and, and all of that. You know, you fast something. When you say, well, I'm fasting, it's removing that thing that's taking up your time that you know that you're you're giving all of this time to or you're you're giving all this energy and effort to and so you you sacrifice right that you put off this you know pleasure in the moment in, in order to have something greater you know down the road and that comes through sacrifice and sacrifice is suffering yeah and 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 suffering is 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 sacrificing right and so you you're it's like um even job in, in that first chapter uh, it, he says, he says, my sons, he goes, he goes and he says his children, but he's, he actually is making sacrifices for his children to God early in the morning. And he says, my sons may have sinned and gone their own way. They have sinned against God and gone their own way. Nevertheless, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to offer up this sacrifice. And so, you know, it's a necessary part of, and, and, and again, it, it is a form of suffering but to make those sacrifices uh, and, and to, to whatever it is, maybe it's fasting or it's prayer or whatever. I mean, you think about Jesus. Jesus was there in the garden. He's praying so hard that his sweat turns into drops. The capillaries under his skin begin to burst. Right. It begins to bleed through his, uh, the pores in his skin. It's like, if that's not suffering, I don't know what is. But the only reason know? he could even get to that point is because it said that he was off to pray. Absolutely. He, he spent many times Absolutely. with his father. He yes. spent many moments doing this. And so it, he knew what it took. He knew that this particular night of my life is going to take a different form of prayer. It's going to take a yeah. more intense form of prayer yep. if I'm going to make it through tonight. Well, because, and he's facing the number one or the, the, the peak of suffering that any person could ever face. And 
that's, that's us even today. The anguish, the internal and, and mental and psychological anguish that people go through mm-hmm. thinking about dying, yeah. right? And then here he is, he's in his prime, he's 30-some years older, he's mm-hmm. 30 years old roughly, you know, and he's got a following and he's making a name for himself and, there's, you know, things are starting to happen, his ministry's taking off, you know, his family's prospering, his friends are doing well, yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden, now everything's got to come to a crashing halt. And yeah. so it's, it's this ultimate suffering that's about to take place. And, and you have all of this internal anguish because of it. And so it's the same thing for us, but we have to be willing to face. Again, we're not circumventing the suffering. Jesus was facing it head on. And that's not a comfortable thing. That's not a, a fun thing to do. When you, when you find something within yourself or you have something externally that's happening in your life, it's not fun to have to face down that thing, and it requires a lot of courage. And uh, it doesn't mean you're not scared. It doesn't mean you're not trembling in your boots. It doesn't mean you're not crying. It doesn't mean that you're not having panic attacks. It just means that you're facing it despite all of those things or in spite of all of those things, you are willing to face it down. You talked about the... uh, I don't even remember what made me go here now, so I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm going with it here. But anyways, Revelation chapter 19, in verse 11, he, John says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes are as a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns, which means victories, right? He's, he's, he's getting victory over something. Uh, he had a name written that no man knew but himself. That's a whole other can of worms right there. But when you go through suffering, nobody can, nobody can know what that suffering is like hmm. you know it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Nobody can know it like you know it. Yeah. You and I may go through a similar situation, or we could experience the same exact situation. Yeah. This is how unique you are. Right. You could experience the same, I mean, identical situation that someone else uh, experiences and have a completely different experience because of it. Inside of your perception, your mind, your world, your reality, it could be teetotally different. And and that's proven in science, right? You you have these controlled studies where it's like, you know, this person ate 14 Oreos and that person ate 14 Oreos and they reacted in two different ways, right? The one guy went to sleep and the other guy went bouncing off the walls or whatever, you know. So I'm, I'm using a silly example to let you know that it is all unique to you, but there's a suffering. I know, right? Yeah, part of the that sounds like, a good, study. <laughs> sounds like a good study. But there's a part of your suffering that no man, no one else will know, right? Save you. Save the person that's gone through it. So Jesus has this, re, uh, this uh, identity within himself that nobody else knows. He says, he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine and white and clean linen. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth, and that's a Psalm 2 reference, by the way, that little part there, but he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Hmm. Now, Kevin has taught on this before, but... You have to, and this is going back to, to other people's suffering or other people's you know, realities, what's going on in their life, is that when we walk up to them and we say, how you doing, bro? And it's like, oh man, I'm going to be honest with you, this week has been hell on earth. And it's like, 
oh man, I hope it gets better. And then we move on. Because we don't really want to know, we don't really want to grapple. Well, what Jesus did is all of the things that are happening, right? It's like the Job story. Here comes the fierceness and wrath of God, quote unquote. Right? Here comes all this suffering into his life. Well, Jesus gets inside of the wine vat and he treads it down with him. And he's and he's you know comes out with this vesture that's been dipped in blood. He comes out with the evidence that he's been in your suffering with you. Mm. And that's the same thing that really what we're called to, yeah. that we would not only grapple with our own suffering, but that we would get into the wine press or the wine vat with other people yeah. and, and help them in their suffering. And, and it, well, even then, it's, it's sort of a sad thing too, because I mean, we sort of think about it, is that it, and not to make the Christian faith sound, sound sad, but it's, it's, the, it's the idea that if we if we truly do that for one another, <laughs> but it's if we truly are going to do that for one another and be there for each other and get into the wine vat of somebody else's soul, but doing so after you've done it yourself, yes, after you've explored the depths of your own soul and explored the depths of your own darkness. Yep, it's the Genesis one story where it's. That in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. There's, there's formlessness and there's void. Yep. Formlessness and void are the places, in, or, or is the place in which God chooses to begin his story. Yeah. Where God chooses to begin telling us about himself. It's the prerequisite that, to creation. Right. But it's <clears throat> what, what's beautiful about the story is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth is without form and void, and darkness is upon the face of the deep. Yep. But God speaks something into that darkness. Mm-hmm. He says, let there be light. That's the first thing that he says, is let there be illumination. Mm-hmm. And it's not until, if you follow the chronological day story, I think it's not until day two or three that he actually says, well, now let's create the sun. Let's create a form of light. Right. And let's right. create the moon to provide a shadow at night and all the, and everything like that. So when he said, let there be light, he's not saying that all of a sudden there was the sun and the stars and these galaxies and all this other stuff. What it sounds like is that in the midst of his own darkness, he says, let there be an illumination. Mm. The tohu vavohu is the Hebrew <laughs> I yes. always say it wrong, but it's <laughs> it's the prima materia, which yes. I, 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 that's that's something that uh, James Hillman talked about, and he talks about it being in the repressed darkness. Mm-hmm. That it's it's the exact same word. So the prima materia being the first matter, or being the thing in which God can work with, almost like the Potter in Jeremiah eighteen, that he takes the clay and he said the clay is marred in his hands, but he takes it and makes something that is out of his will, something that's out of his desire, mm. and to something that the potter sees fit, a vessel that he sees fit. But that that does not come, that vessel does not come without the hand within and the hand without pressing yeah. and molding yeah. and shaping and the clay experiencing the suffering. Yeah. And it was, I, I reference this often because it's something I can still see him saying it, but it was the last message that I remember my grandfather preaching. And he had, he had somebody on, and you know, he, he did some goofy stuff, but he, he was just, he was just doing it to be funny because that was, that was just his personality. But, you know, he had a guy on the front and said, well, you know, I've got some clay here, brother Jerry. And, you know, he said, well, press on it. You know, did that clay say, ouch? 
Or he said, did the clay say anything when you started pressing on it, Alan? Yes. And he said, well, no, Jerry didn't say a thing. <laughs> and it's, you know, that's, but that's their thing. And did the clay try to jump out of your hand when you tried to make it into what you wanted it to be? And then my dad did a series on it about, you know, maybe, maybe a few months later, or maybe it was a couple years later, I don't remember now, but dad did an entire series, almost did the exact same thing. And went into those depths with it, how the clay does not complain in the hand of the potter. Yep. It doesn't have an option in the hand of the potter. Yep. It's, it's, it doesn't have a choice. It's just relinquished everything that it is into the hand of the potter and to go on the wheel for the potter to force it to be something that he sees fit. And it makes me think of Amos chapter 5 where he says, Woe unto you that ask for the day of the Lord, for the day of the Lord comes as darkness. And he said, when the day of the Lord comes, he said, it's like a man that's been chased by a bear. And as soon as he escapes the bear, he's chased by a lion. When he escapes the lion, he's chased by a serpent. Wow. I, think I, I think I had it pulled up a second. Yeah, I had another screen pulled up here. Amos 5. Amos 5 and 18. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? Yeah. The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him. Or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? And then he begins to talk about the feast that they continue to think is going to bring them. He said, I, I despise your feast days and will not smell your solemn assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings. They're thinking that, well, that's what's going to get us out of the, the clutches of the bear and the lion and the serpent. That's going to get us out of the clutches of the suffering. As if I keep on offering all of this stuff and I go into deeper, deeper, wow. deeper into ascetism. Or I go wow. deeper and deeper and deeper into fasting. Or I go deeper and deeper into prayer. Or I yeah. go deeper and deeper into all of my sacrifices and all of my religious rites and all of the things that I'm so accustomed to doing on a yep. daily basis. But no, what he's saying, the only way out of this is through it. Yeah, the only way out of it is what the day of the Lord, he said, what end is it for you? Yeah. What end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. And it's in that darkness, though, if you will go and venture into the darkness, it's where God will say suddenly, when you are there in the prima materia, in the tohu vavohu, when you're there in the formlessness and you're there in the void, that God will say, all right, now, let there be light. Almost mm. like God says, God, they finally did it. Mm. They finally did it. Now, let there be light. Mm. And all of a sudden, all of your darkness is now illuminated. Yep. And all of the suffering is now given a reason yep. or it's given a purpose, not just a that's i think that's probably a wrong way to say it let me back that up not a reason because that's what we always ask for that's what we want what's the reason for my suffering yes. what's the reason that i lost my best friend yes. in, a, in a car wreck what's the reason that i'm suffering through this what's yep. the reason that i suffer for all this stuff through life and god's like well, i'm not going to give you a reason what i'm going to do is i'm going to give you darkness yep. and when i put you in the middle of that darkness i'm going to give you formlessness and void but out of that formlessness and void my spirit is going to hover over it and mm. i'm going to form something out of it yep. and all of a sudden we'll be able to say let there be light and I might not have a reason but I have a purpose yes I might not have a reason for why I went through the wow. suffering. I might not have a reason for why I suffered all the things that we suffer. But the Bible says, and I have to go to it in what Paul said in Romans or in Corinthians where he said that the, 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 the glory, the weight of glory far exceeds the suffering. Yes. <clears throat> that has for us a far greater weight of glory. Yeah. 
So the thing that I experience, the glory that I, he said, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And when he says the word reckon, he's using a mathematical term. He said, no matter how you do the math, no matter what you do, two plus two is going to add up to a good solid four every time you add it up. Every time you do the math, I reckon the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. But the way in which you get the glory is through the suffering Walking into the darkness. Yeah. The, those blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's like I told me and Michael, we're talking about it when we first got here. It's almost like a, an infinity symbol. It's I'm, I'm giving mercy and receiving mercy. Giving mercy and I'm receiving mercy. I go into darkness and he says, let there be light. I go into darkness and he says, let there be light. But I have to create that journey. Yeah. I have to make that path. I have to walk into it willingly. I have to go to the place that I don't want to go. The place that I've been trying to circumvent this whole time. The place that I've been trying to avoid this whole time. But if I would go into the inner spirit of the man, it's like Proverbs 20 says, that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord and he searches all the inward parts of the belly. And that's the soul. It's It's the the deep parts. It's the hidden parts. The places that no one gets to see. You don't see inside of my belly. You don't see inside of my body. And if you could, it would be darkness. It's the reason that doctors, when they explore the the, the inside of your body, there's a camera with a light on the end of it. There's no other way to see what's going on in there. There has to be a light, and it's the spirit of man that is the candle of the Lord, that God uses your spirit, that God uses the thing that gives you character, that uses the thing that gives you, gives you life, and uses that as his own candle to explore what's going on inside of you. And God says, let there be light in this man's spirit. Let there be light in this man's darkness. Now we know why. Well, we know not just a, not really a reason, but we know a purpose. We know how to utilize what's going on in here. And it's like, you know, he said, the, um, and I don't remember the address, but the, the, that the ministers of the Lord are as a flame of fire. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about that, and even if you go to the book of Revelation, right, there's this menorah that, that John is seeing, and it's got these lights on it, right? And these lights uh, are, these lamps, in other words, are the ministers of the churches, of the seven churches of Asia Minor. And so you think about that, and I th- I'm sitting here thinking about people like Jack Ford, people like Pastor Kevin, Pastor Curtis, Pastor Scott, I mean, all, and other, many other pastors that I've met, I've not known very many that have had little suffering. Yeah. Like all the ones yeah. that I've ever known really in my life that I can think of right off the top of my head suffered an enormous amount. Yeah. And they become this, this flame of fire. It's like, it, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's not just that, Oh well, I'm anointed with fire, and it's it's so I think so much less to do with any of that as it is that this person has experienced so much. It's kind of like the wisdom of Solomon. They've yeah. been the 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 borders of their heart have been enlarged yeah. uh, so that they could they could actually help these people that they're you know they've been sent to. It's like it's like Adele. You listen to Adele's yeah. music. Yeah. 
she's she's gone through yep. and she has different albums i guess for different ages maybe i guess or whatever it was that symbolized different things I don't, yeah. A, yeah but she's she's gone through a horrendous divorce mm-hmm. a a terrible split mm-hmm. and in trying to great raise her i can't remember if she has a daughter or son whatever yeah, it is yeah i think it's a little boy but all of a sudden you know she has this song that has you know hits the top because she's she's a great singer she's very talented so this song is super popular now and you have, if you go through, he says no, but <laughs> but if you go to like a, like TikTok or Instagram or anything, you've got all these people singing her song. Yeah. You've got all these people that are saying, take it easy or whatever. Yeah, 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 and going, yeah. They've got all these people that sing her song, but they don't sing it from the same place nope. that she sings it nope. from. When she wrote those songs, it came from a place of brokenness. It came from a place of yep. hurt and trying to figure out what in the world is going on in her life. But for her, when she sings it, there's a different sensation. There's yeah. a different feeling because it comes from a different place inside yes. of her. When this other person sings it, they're just trying to mimic something yeah, that they've heard. They're good. not singing it from a place of suffering. Well, and when somebody like Jack Ford or yes. somebody like... Pastor Scott or Pastor Kevin or Pastor Curtis, when they preach to you yeah. that God is merciful so and that you can approach the throne of God boldly, so that you might find grace and obtain mercy. Yeah. These are men that have had to approach the, the throne of God, and when they did it, they might not have approached as boldly yeah. as we want to think they have at times. Sometimes when we approach the throne of God, I've had to come mm. Crawling yeah. and scratching yeah. my way to the throne of God as humbly as I could. And I don't feel like I'm approaching His throne boldly. I don't feel like I'm approaching it with this. Though, well, you know, God, God's going to give this to me. I believe that God's going to give it. Like Esther goes into the to to see Xerxes yeah. or Ahasuerus and puts her hand on the top scepter and believes that the king is going to give her the thing that she requests. Many times I've gone into the throne of God and I've gone there crying and I've gone there trying to find the mercy seat. Mm-hmm scratching and clawing my way to it saying just like the man of the Pharisee and the publican that stood there praying beating my chest saying God have mercy on me I'm a sinner God have mercy on me I'm a sinner while a publican stands over while a Pharisee stands over me and says thank God I'm not like him I can approach the throne of God boldly and receive and obtain uh, mercy and find grace when I'm sitting there wondering if I if, if I can even deserve it I can yep. even, if I can even crawl my way close enough to get enough, uh, get close enough to where I could even see somebody else get mercy, wow. see somebody else obtain grace. And sometimes I feel like Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road, blind as all, who didn't even really have a name. Bar is the son of Timaeus, is his father. He was the son of Timaeus. He was, he was blind, so they didn't even give him a name. And he's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's screaming it over and over again. And the disciples are trying to shut him up and get him, get him to be quiet. Yeah. And Jesus comes over and tells them, don't, prohi- don't uh, prohibit him from screaming for mercy. Yeah. This is the first chance he's had at it. That's so good. Man. The, 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 I mean, going to the uh, boldly, mm-hmm. the word is parhesia, parhesia, yeah, and it means bluntness huh. or frankness, all outspoken. That's just honesty. That's just honesty. That's just going there and with it, all of your junk. Exactly. In, uh, all, of your, all of your junk. All of your darkness out in the open. I mean, going back to Barnabas, if, I mean, he's just flat out saying, 
Jesus, have mercy. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, you can imagine it, just screaming it across the road. You know, I mean, you see some of these people, you're driving down the road or whatever, they're standing on the side of the road. They may be asking for money or food or whatever, but they're just screaming and going on. They're just saying crazy things or what. You can imagine that's, that's what's happened. Yeah. That's the scenario, right? And the disciples are like, golly, shut up, man. I mean, can't you see this is Jesus? Yeah. He's trying to minister to these people. You yeah. know, it's like, no, 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 no. He's the one that's being the most honest out of anybody right. here. Right. Just, he is. God, have mercy on me. Yeah. I mean, look at me. Yeah. Just look at me. Have yeah. mercy on me, please. How many politicians are pressing up against Jesus in that moment in the crowd? And how many? How do you get this crowd around exactly, to Jesus? Exactly. How can I? How can I get some of this famous? You're gonna do a leadership a leadership uh, conference <laughs> oh, for us, oh and we can uh, yeah. te- teach us how to grow our church by twenty five percent. Oh my gosh, dude! <laughs> and you going back to the feeling that you get right, that, or, or the, the what you receive? Because let me let me say this too, from a scientific psychological standpoint when you say and do things it doesn't matter what it is right there is an energy that you you are producing okay so your mind your mind is what controls your brain your brain is what controls your body so you have this psychoneurological or psychoneurobiological connection that's going on okay and so uh Mind brain body or brain body connection and it's and it's driven by your mind. The science has proven that there's this there's this energy field that's around kind of your brain area, right? Your head, and that's also sort of in this area where your heart would be and what kind of where your gut is, right? So there's this there's this energy, and when you're when someone is deceased, that energy is not there. They can't find that energy field. Wow. So you have literally this this your spirit your soul your mind all of this is connected in your body right and and also too there's as many this is crazy there's as many if not more neurons and and uh neurological receptors basically that are, are the mirror of those things in your gut really yes so what you eat affects can affect your mind or your your brain and your body more than more than what you what you think even sometimes so you know like how they say you're not yourself when you're hungry yeah okay well that's that's a, that's a true thing it's a science thing right go eat a snickers <laughs> you know what i mean go eat a snickers but so anyways there's this david's so hungry you've got this david's you, hungry and he doesn't want to listen to adele <laughs> 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 He's saying no to it all. No, Cut this thing that. off. These guys to shut up and get me a barbecue sandwich. But when you when you uh, when you say and and do things, okay. But but specifically when you say things, you you are pushing an an energy field. There's a part of you, okay. This is literal now. There are energy particles. There are what they call photons. That's light energy, right? <laughs> So there's light energy that actually exudes out of your body, okay? Yeah. So, again, we're talking about this. There's this energy field that's around kind of your brain, right? That's your mind and your, and your soul, your spirit. All this stuff is connected here. And you're pushing this energy out towards other people. Now, that could be negative or positive. That could be good or bad. You could have different types of energy. It's actually measured. This is so crazy. It's measured in waves, okay? There are gamma, beta, theta and delta waves that are all coming and they all control different things in your brain and it it, it gets real crazy okay but just follow, stick with me here yeah. you're pushing this energy out towards people right so 
where do we get this principle of laying on of hands? Where, where do we get this whole idea of laying on of hands, right? Because, or, you know, this is sort of substantiates it all, right? That when I put my energy towards Brent because yeah. he's ill or because he doesn't feel well or something's going on with right. him, I put that, I'm pushing this positive, and you can literally take your faith and give it to someone. You can literally, and this is real, this is substantial, you can push your faith you, the, the spirit of faith that's in you, yeah. that's exuding you, and going kind of back to what, absolutely, yeah. sending it out. Yeah. So when we say, I'm sending my faith to whoever, tonight we said, mm. we're sending our faith to Jonas, we're sending yeah. our faith to AJ, we're sending our faith to Howard. We are literally sending this faith, yeah. and we're believing that the essence of God, the wow. spirit of God, is going, is carrying that energy, mm. and that, again, just to back up a little bit, that can be a positive or a negative thing. Yeah. You can take all of that energy and you can negatively affect people mm -hmm. or you could take all of your energy and you could positively affect people. Wow. But there's this literal energy that's coming out of you. And again, it's really measured in photons, which is light energy, which yeah. is also a very interesting thing when we start thinking about Again, the ministers are as a flame of fire. Let there be light. Let this light come out. Let this light energy exude me because that's what is creative and healing and restoring. Yeah. That is the thing that brings life. That is the thing that brings revelation. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians 5, he said, It is a shame to even speak of those things which are done in secret, but all things that are reproved, the word is exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest hmm. is light. So you take wow. darkness and you transform it into light. Or at the very least, like Brent said, we shine the light on this darkness to reveal whatever is there, not so that we understand the reason why suffering is happening, not so we understand why there's malevolence not so we understand why there's anger here or there's hatred here or, you know, whatever it is. There's lust or there's, yeah. you know, whatever the thing is. Not, not so that we have the reason why, but the, so that we can take it and we can have, purpose. have the purpose, purpose it or, or uh, give it utility in the world. Right. Right? And, yeah. and that's, that is the reason for it. And that's what happens with Job in the end is that he, he gains purpose and he's able to, Reutilize. What's, how's Josh says it a certain? He uses a certain verb when he talks about it. Of uh, re, maybe it is repurposing. Um, yeah. Maybe that is the way that he says it. But repurposing the suffering that you've gone through, repurposing yeah. the darkness that's within. And he's somebody that obtains mercy and gives mercy. Yeah. So Job at the end, with everything going wrong, with everything still going wrong. He still is asked by God to pray for these miserable comforters. Yep. He's still asked by God to pray for the men that cursed him while he was down, that kicked him while he was down yeah. and would not lift him up yeah. and would talk about everything wrong that he's done yep. and all this stuff that yep. you've, you've really screwed up, Job. Yep. That's the only reason that God would allow any of this stuff to happen. Mm -hmm. But what they don't realize is something that happened on the background. What they don't realize, and this is what nobody seems to realize sometimes, and we, we're all we're all guilty of this. But what we don't realize is the conversation that God has in the background of our soul, of the accuser that's within, yeah. of saying, you can, you can touch everything, but I need you to save his soul. God. I need you to save his soul through this suffering. Mm. I need you to get him through this. I need you to get him into the darkness so that I can say, let there be light. Mm. 
almost like a staged moment mm -hmm. where God says, if you could just get him into the darkness, if you can get him to not circumvent the suffering mm -hmm. and not uh, subvert the grace of God, but if you can get him into the darkness, I can say, hey, turn the lights on real quick. Let's show him what's going on in That's here. Let's so show him. Let, let's give him a glimpse of what's really happening. While Job is in the midst of his suffering and has bloody boils for all, from all over him from head to toe, he's lost his family. He's lost his, his income. He's lost his livestock. He's lost his home. He's lost everything. But God says, bless and pray for these men. Yep. And he does so. And it says the suffering of Job was turned. Yeah. And that, and then at the end of it, it said, and lived Job. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things that I he know, says, and it. lived Job. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's not just a, a continuation of life. It's almost like a, a, almost like a brand new life that he's yeah. receiving because he's got a, a brand new, uh, it's, it's a, gosh, it's, a, it's something I heard you talk about before about the remapping of, of things. I thought about it today because I heard, uh, I heard on another podcast. I listened to twenty of them, apparently, <laughs> but uh, it was it was one yes. that Jordan Jordan Peterson was uh, interviewing um, uh, Bishop Barron, yeah, and yeah. they were talking about a uh, a Rolling Stone article, yeah, that they had read about the first rock song, yeah, or the, oh, or the gosh, first that was the good. first song that rocked your world, that not, rocked your world, not the yep. first rock yep. song you liked, yeah, but what is the what was the first song that rocked, rocked your world? Your world. Yeah. And I, I thought about it today. I was thinking about a lot of them. Like, man, was it this one? Was it that one? Like, know, right? you know, that changed. You start thinking about these these songs or these bands, and you know, they change how you dress. Yeah, they change how you you, know, you change your entire you know, your whole wardrobe changes now Absolutely. because of a band that you liked, yeah. or because of us, and it was really just because of a song, yeah. or your 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 whole outlook on life changes because of I don't know. You you pick the song that's yeah. out there. Um, I was trying to really think of it today, and I really wish that I could have, if if I wasn't as busy at work today, I could have like really put a lot more thought into it. Yeah. But I I thought of so many different songs. One of them was like a a band named Stained that I listened to okay. that back then that um uh just I all there's just like this whole album. I think it was I remember it having a V on it. Um. But I think that's what it was. I think it had a V on the front of it or something like that. But I listened to it over and over back then when I was in high school. And I was, uh, I was like a junior or, or senior in high school. I can't remember. But um, that's, that's one that, that, at least an album, at least that I could think yeah. of today, that, yeah. would, that had rocked my world yeah. because it, it sort of changed the way I thought about a lot of things. And when you think about that stuff, you've got different things that happen in your life that remap you yeah. and remap your thought process yep. and that now because of an of a circumstance that i don't think of things that way anymore yeah it's it's uh it's almost like things that are attached like memories that are attached to moments or places mm -hmm. that you know i go to a certain place and i had a either a good or a poor memory there or started out maybe i had a good memory and then later on had a bad memory there and so it changes the way i think about that particular place yep that you know, used to, well, you know, when you were growing up, Brent, you really liked Oreo ice cream until some one day somebody took, a, you know, this didn't really happen, by the way, yeah. but, you know, somebody took Oreo ice cream and, you know, shoved it, you know, took the ice cream cone and put it in my eyes and, you know, and beat yeah. me up that <laughs> right, day. And right. well, now I hate Oreo ice cream because of that. Right. You never tell anybody. That's why he hates Oreo ice cream because yeah. this bully at the store <laughs> beat him up yeah. that day. Yeah. Well, but it changes the way you think about something. I can, I can, I can make that connection on like going back to the music thing. There were some songs <laughs> in a period of my life that mm -hmm. I remember hearing all the time on the radio, 
Yeah. And it was it was just that period of my life. When I hear those songs, it takes me to a, yeah. to a negative, to a dark place, right? Yeah. It's not a great time. <laughs> and it's like, I, I hear these songs, and, and Chelsea was actually singing one of them the other day. I forget what the song was. I can't remember. But, Way to go, Chelsea. Uh, but, yeah, she's like singing the song, and I'm like, I hate that song. I just hate it so much. And she's like, why? You know, and I, and, you know, so I, I kind of told her, I said, well, it's just a, not a great time in my life. You know, I just didn't really enjoy that period in my life. And it takes me back to some negative experiences. And she's yeah. like, oh, gosh, well, I didn't know that. You know, and so yeah. she, you know, but, but I mean, and that happens to people too. Like, yeah. I, I love the connection there. The, you know, what song, what was it that first rocked your world? You know, yeah. what was the one that was a catalyst for change in you? <laughs> you know, in your mind or the way you think or the way you act or, or how you dress or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, how did it change your life? And it's like we can we can all say, you know, so many different moments in our lives that have that have caused, you know, drastic change yeah. and and, uh, you know, maybe positive, maybe negative. Uh, but of course, people that deal with things like PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome and uh, you know, that, that, or even, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder or things that, you know, just, uh, nightmares and night terrors and things that are connected to different memories and moments in their lives, right. That, uh, can bring about this trauma and, and we all experience it, whether it's, I hate to categorize it, but it's called, they call it big T, little T, you know, um, because there are all sorts of traumas that you experience, um, just you driving down the road during the day and somebody cuts you off and you almost slam into yeah. the back of the vehicle or whatever, that could be considered a trauma because yeah. that's a that's a moment where you're startled, you're shocked, you're you know, you're afraid, you're you know, you're freaking out in the moment, you know, right? Yeah. Uh your your life flashes before your eyes, so to speak, right? <laughs> that that can be a, a, a traumatic experience. And yeah. You say, Well, well, that's a little bit silly, brother, but that's what we would maybe use an example as as uh, little T, you know, but then maybe a woman is you know, out at night, you know, by herself and she's walking home or whatever, and then she's dragged into an alley and nearly raped by somebody, that would be what we would call big T and big T trauma. And something like that can absolutely shock the entire system and, yeah. and just crumble the whole thing, right? And, 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 and totally change somebody's behavior, their lifestyle, how they go to work, where they go to work, you know, when they go to work, mm -hmm. you know, you know, all the different things that, that, yeah. that can restructure yeah. in their life. Right. And it's, um, I, I mean, I think I don't want to get too far ahead of you, but it's like, hopefully the experience that you've had with Jesus Christ has been that of not only the suffering part, because there is the suffering, yeah. but hopefully in that suffering, you've also experienced, you know, his resurrection, right? Buried with him in baptism, Colossians right. 2. Buried with him in baptism, also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh have been quickened to, together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Right. And, you know... Hopefully, the experience that you've had with Jesus, or if you haven't had this experience, you would pursue this experience that, that that's the one that becomes this catalyst of change in your life. And it's not to say that you won't have suffering, because you will. Jesus said, you, in this life, you will have tribulation. Right. But be of good cheer, for right. I have overcome the world. That is to say, no matter what you suffer, no matter what you go through, 
not only am I going to be walking with you in it, but you will overcome it. Right. Because I have overcome it. He, and he is the prototype. He is the example. He is the roadmap through suffering. Right. Because Jesus, again, go, he went through the ultimate suffering and gave his life ultimately for us. But to sort of backtrack a little bit, you know, on the suffering piece, kind of like you were saying earlier, it's not to be a Debbie Downer or to be so negative no, or to no. even say that Christianity is this negative thing or whatever, uh, you know, that life is just so terrible. You know, I, I did go through a period where I, I listened to Jordan Peterson a lot and um, I found myself thinking kind of negatively because I'd listened to some of his stuff, yeah. you know, some of his uh, different talks or lectures or whatever they may be. And, and uh, man, I mean, it was just like, gosh, this is... A, a real grim look on things, you know, but, yeah. but what I realized too is that, you know, he spent so many years studying the things that happened in the 20th century, specifically around World War II and the suffering that occurred in, in China and Japan and Germany and Russia, you know, all these different places around the world where these terrible, terrible tragedies were taking place mm -hmm. um, at a, a, an alarming rate, uh, an exponential rate, right? And, and throughout the masses of people that had suffered, and it's like, that you can't not experience or, or you know receive all of that information and not start to have a pretty negative outlook on things. Now he came out of that pretty good yeah. considering, but anyway, so I found myself kind of in that mode of like, oh gosh, you know, they all, you know, suffering and terrible and awful and horrible, yeah. and you know, and then I'm like, well, wait a minute, but there's hope in all of this, yeah. you know, and and that's where I had to sort of shift my thinking back. Yeah. Get it back on the right track, right? And it's like it's like finding, it's like I found a new map, mm -hmm. and I started to walk these paths, and I'm like, yeah, this this is a lot darker than the path yeah. that I was on. You know what I mean? But almost it, like it, almost like walking out of a a place older and wiser. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I agree. I totally agree. Like like coming coming through something, and yes, you, yes. you recognize the reality of suffering or yep. the reality yep. of catastrophe. Yep. But you're now, well, I know it now. At least I know that that exists. Yeah, and it's I had takes away the innocence. And yeah. I hadn't, like most people, probably had not thought that deeply about the suffering of you know other people. Yeah. Or even your own. Again, yeah. back to what you were saying, your own suffering. And you think about like, gosh, you know, you start to think about some things that happened in your life, and you're like, yeah, I have been through some some stuff, mm -hmm. you know. And it's like, and I've got more to go through. Uh, but but again, like you said, it's 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 coming through that older and wiser and 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 understanding, not only not only my own, but then other people's too. And and I I go back to Solomon every time I think about Solomon. I think about you know the wisdom of Solomon was in that in his empathy, it was in the thing that God granted him, which was what the Bible calls largeness of heart. God gave him largeness of heart. That is what created the wisdom, you know that that he pours into the the many writings that you know right. that are out there but but he had to have that empathy first he had right. to not only experience the suffering for himself but experience it even vicariously through the people of sure. his kingdom right you know in order to be able to, to serve them properly yeah to have to have understanding yep to have the, the true like you said to truly have the largeness of heart so that he could offer a judgment and it's the difference of knowing a thing and knowing a thing, right? So it's yeah. like you know a thing because you read it in a book or you know a thing no, because you experienced it, yeah. right? It's experiential knowledge versus, versus that 
Yeah. Just informational knowledge that right. I just I just read this off the pages. Right. And it's but so it's you. So thinking of that, so so that he could make a judgment or he could make a decision. It's good. What would you rather have the guy on the stand that's going to make a decision on yours? The guy that that experienced what you've experienced, mm-hmm. or the guy that just read about this stuff in books? Oh yeah. Like, who would you rather have adjudicating your case? It's good. Uh, before you, and it's. I wrote this, I'd, I'd written this verse down too. I got a couple in James, but it was, uh, let me go back to it. I think I marked it, yeah. James uh, James 2, um, James 2, you start at 12 if you want. So, so speak ye, and so do they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy that showed no mercy. Mm. It's the opposite of Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Mm-hmm. But here, he's telling you, those that have judgment without mercy, those or those who show judgment, those shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Mm. And when you look it up, where it says mercy rejoiceth against, it's, it's, it's almost like it gets in the face and boasts yeah. against it. Yeah. That mercy stands up and and absolutely derides judgment yeah and says you don't have a clue what you're talking about i told you we were gonna win i mean you think about you think about like the worst tar heel fan because that's it's that's that's what i think of like that disgusting nasty faded out blue anytime that they win a game it's like told you that we were the best dean smith and michael jordan blah 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 it's just nonsense it makes me Obnoxious. But it, this obnoxious, that's the way I see it. Yeah. Like it says that mercy gets in the face of judgment that's and good. just derides it that's and so lets good. it know that you you lose. You lose every time. Uh, you, but, that, but that's the thing is if you've got somebody like a Solomon that's adjudicating your case and he's somebody that understands mercy and he's got largeness of heart, then that's the person that I want up there making the decision Absolutely. on my behalf. Yes. Somebody that, as, that understands mercy. It makes it easier for me to get to the place of confession. It makes it so much easier when you've got somebody that you know and that you trust has been through it. And we're talking, we're not just talking about Solomon. We're talking about Jesus. Yes. We're talking about Jesus and Jesus working through us as people. It makes it easier to get to the place of confession. Let me read two, two quick things. Hit it. And. Well, let me let me read this real quick. So, yeah. or, I, that made me think of the song by Gordon Moat. I think I let you listen to this, but it's called "Mercy Walked In." I think so. The lyrics is he says, "I stood in the courtroom. The judge turned oh, my yeah. way. Looks like you're guilty. What do you say, uh, Your Honor? I have no defense, but that's when mercy walked in. Mm-hmm. Mercy mm-hmm. walked in, pleaded my case, called to the stand. God's amazing grace." The blood was presented that covered my sin, and I was forgiven when mercy walked in. I mean, yeah. that, that, I mean that that one don't make, make you want to shout. shout. I don't know what will. <laughs> <laughs> you want him work. Woo! Woo! <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I had to throw that in there. <laughs> mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Yes. Right. So the two of them that I, two, or a couple, actually, a few verses. Um, one of them that I read earlier today in Romans 9. Nay, but uh, nine in verse twenty. Nay, but O oh man, who art thou that reply that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou formed me thus? 
Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured much long suffering, the and endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, mm. and that mm. he might make known the riches of his glory the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory. That's what I mean to me that just Dude, that's that God make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory. It's not the end of the sentence. Even us whom he hath called not the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. And he asked that as a question. And there's one, two, three, four long questions. The last one is the longest one here of those verses right there. Of course, there's more before it in verse 19. But, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Now, you got to bear with me on this. <laughs> because I, I think that you can extract some form of meaning out of both of this to say, Vessels unto honor and vessels under dishonor, vessels unto destruction even, to say that, why hast thou formed me thus? And I mean, I don't know if you've ever met those people that uh, it's almost like, uh, I'll say it, <laughs> it's almost like uh, on the show Yellowstone, there's this kid on there named Jimmy, and he can't get a break for nothing. Kid can't, he can't get a break to save his life. But I mean, I, I, there's people like that that I know. People like that that I've, I've lived my life around. Yeah. I'm like, you know, next thing you know, you break your neck. Next thing you know, he's in a car wreck. Next yeah. thing you know, he's, he's back on drugs. Next thing you know, it's this. And you just like, can't get a break in their life. And you're like, you know, is this, is this what you meant in that verse to say that, you know, a vessel unto destruction or is this God showing, you know, it's, yeah. it's, but, or, or is it a way that the answer is in the question next? Is this a way, I think, because he asked this question in juxtaposition one against the other. Yes. That the thing formed replies to God and says, why hast thou formed me thus? Yeah. Why can't I get a break? Why do I always seem to have problems? Or why do I always seem to have suffering? Why do I always seem to have to be walking through something all the time? And then he asked the question, you know, well, was this the willingness of God to show his wrath? Well, No. I don't think that's the answer. I think the answer is found in the rest of the question. Or is it that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he's called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles? Yep. Is it for him to show his wrath and destruction? Or is it to show vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor or is in the form of saying that out of all of them, he makes all of the vessels of honor and all the vessels of dishonor vessels of mercy? Because that's the way it ends. That he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Yeah. And which one is really the one that re obtains the most mercy? Is it the one that goes through the destruction and goes through the, uh, goes through the, uh, the dishonor? Is that the one that becomes the vessel of mercy? If you already have one that's a vessel of honor, mm -hmm. it's just a question. Just throwing it out there. You, you can take that home and think about it. Exactly. But the other verses that I had, one of them was... Uh, Romans 10 and connecting it to James 5, James right. 5, 2. Go ahead. Pause right there because, so the, what if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with 
much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to, to destruction. So the, the word wrath there mm-hmm. is, in the Greek, it actually means a pursuing or stretching forth, a reaching out, or like a running after. Hmm. So in other words, the wrath of God, this is, now this is my understanding of the wrath of God. There are certain places in Scripture where the word wrath actually means anger or you know, you know, somebody that's mad or whatever. Yeah. But, but most of the time when you read it in the New Testament, when he says the wrath of God, yeah. or when that word is used, it's talking about basically the passion of God. Yeah. To run after or to stretch, mm. that's like to reach your hand out for, right? Yeah. That the, the, the wrath of God is the passion of God and that the passion of God is to reach His hand out to you. That He would be stretching His hand forth to you and that, like you said, that, and that's a question, right? Or no, he says, that's not a question. He says, what if God, yeah. willing to show His wrath, His passion, yeah. His stretching forth to make His power known, Okay, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Yeah. He's long suffering with us, yeah. and yeah, we have been fitted to destruction. I mean, have, have you met people? <laughs> people can suck. <laughs> people can be really terrible. <laughs> they can do really, really bad things. I mean, you think about yourself. Like it's like you can do some awful things. Yeah. You can be very mean and hateful and angry and 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 destructive. Right. How easy is it? I mean, I have found myself at times having to, you know, withhold words because it, it would be so easy to just take a bunch of words and just cut somebody up. I mean, I've, I, I'm, I may be uh, not an exception, but, you know, I, can, I have a pretty good way with words. Like, I, I just find it pretty easy most of the time to just talk. And I can just, I can just eat you up you apart. if I wanted to, right? And it's like, but that's not right. God suffers long with it, right? It's, right. it's long suffering that He gives to us, and right. that that wrath, like you said, it, there there is this question of, you know, is it the one, is it the vessel of honor, or is it the vessel of dishonor, the one fitted for destruction? It's like, yeah, it's it's all of those things, right? right. And we're all of those things. Right. And I think that was that was Paul's point, and he's answering a question that Isaiah asked yeah. in Isaiah forty-five. Yeah, because he asked the same question. He says. The, uh, shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, What makest thou, or thy work? He hath no hands. Mm-hmm. Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begettest thou, or to the woman? What hast thou brought forth? Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his Maker, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons, and concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. Yeah. Th- those are the things that we were, like you said before, We've been, we've been created unto the good works right. that God would have, have us do. Right. Don't say, why have you done this to me? Say, God, how can we take this and utilize it and, and bring a purpose to this suffering right. and make something good out of it? Right. That's, I mean, that's where I'm at with it. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm glad we're in agreement on all of this. Yes. Go on, next. No, it was, um, what was it? Oh, we were talking about the... Um, uh, we're talking about um, leading it, it's making it making it easier for you to have the state of confession to get you to the state yes, of confession. Yes, 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 yes. And <clears throat> going going to to that point, I'd written this part down about it was Romans ten where it says that um, for the you know for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
uh, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So it's when you really look up that what he's saying with the mouth confession is made into salvation. It's mm. the same word for covenant. So it's repeating with the mouth, repeating the words of the covenant over mm. and over and over again. Mm. That's the confession. It's not getting us to a point where, and, and I still agree with what, what James, James 5 says, where he says, James 5, 16, where it says, and, and confess your faults one to another yes. and pray for one another yes. that ye may be healed. Yes. That's that's very ah, specific yes. way to end that, is that, that ye may be healed. Yes. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, many times you want people want to extract that verse any time that we're praying about something, you know, the affection, fervent prayer of the righteous, it availeth much. And then they go to the next part. You know, Elijah was like passions and he prayed it didn't rain and it didn't rain. So that's what we're going to pray. But that's not what he's comparing the fervent prayer to. No. He's comparing the fervent prayer so that your brother might be healed yes. after he confesses his faults. Yes. Not that the fervent prayer of the righteous man for the sake of, well, you know, we're going to shut up the heavens and it's not going to rain in Gastonia because of these wicked politicians. Exactly, and yes. That's, that's not, has yes. nothing to do nothing with it. Nothing to do it's, with it. It's, so, it's for the purpose of healing. The confession of the faults and the praying for the one who has the faults is so that ye may be healed, so that you pray fervently yes. for him that yes. he might be healed. <laughs> And when you're the confession that's made out of Romans 10 is not necessarily the confession of faults, but it's the confession of the covenant that God is faithful and he's true. God. And just like Matthew 5, 7 says that if I that believing that if I've given mercy, I'll receive mercy. That so blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy yes. and that I can boldly approach the throne of grace to find find grace and obtain mercy regularly. On behalf of God, regular, regularly on my behalf from the person of God. Yeah. That's essentially all I had tonight. I mean, it's, Reached the end of what I thought. Well, and going back to the, the, so the fervent, the fervent prayer is this, you, you have to get into, well, first of all, if you're praying with someone, you, you're, you're in the struggle, right? But, but you've got to get to that point. You, you. This person confesses something to you. Yeah. The next step is to pray with that person. But that's another thing too. I, that was that was another thing I listened. I can't remember when I listened to this on a podcast of another Jordan Peterson podcast. Imagine that. But it was I forget who he was interviewing, but they were talking about he's talking to a guy who is Catholic, and he was talking about confession. Yeah. And how he goes to mass, he goes to confession, and what it does for him. When he goes to confession, he said he feels like it is the sharing of the load. That's that it's good. the sharing of, he said, I go and confess my sins to the priest. And he said, they no longer become just my problem. Yeah. So for him to go to his priest, it's the same act, whether you want to agree with with. Catholicism or not, it's the same act of James chapter twelve, That's where he it. says, "Confess your faults one to another, so that he may be pray, so that he might pray and he might be healed." Yep. So when he does that, when this man goes to his priest and confesses his sins, he feels like he is sharing the load and distributing how much it weighs the things that he's done wrong. That's so good. How much it weighs. He, he distributes that out, not just to himself, but he said, he said, I believe in some way that I'm distributing it out even to those that have gone before me. He said that those that are in the cloud of witness, mm. which blew my mind that he mm. said the cloud of witness. But, he, you know, and he referenced the saints, which is obviously it's a, it's a very Catholic thing is to yeah, but... pray to the saints and et cetera. But 
when you, when you think about those that have gone before, those that are in the cloud of witness and distributing your sin or yeah. distributing the weight of your sin in confession yeah. to let it out. And when you let it out or you addr- you're, you're truly addressing it, yeah, you're absolutely. not denying that you have problems. Yep. You're, it's, it's like the yin and the yang. You're not denying the little black dot in the white. Yep. And you're not, deni- you're not denying the little white dot in the black. Yeah. You're, you're still you're, you're, uh, you're, you're addressing and acknowledging that both exist. Yep. You, you acknowledge that sometimes I'm really good and sometimes I'm really bad. Yeah. And those moments that I'm really bad are the moments that I need to confess my faults to my brother that he might pray for me so that I might be healed. Yep. Now, whether, like I said, whether you do that through Catholicism and you do that to a priest or you do that through the New Testament form, like what James said, where you're confessing it to a good, solid brother yes. in the faith yes. to which you can receive healing or you go to somebody who's going to be an Elijah because that's the comparison that he makes is that Elias prayed fervently and it, it didn't rain. And then he prayed again, and then it rained. Don't yep. you know the fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much? Yeah. And so I want to go to somebody that when I confess my faults, they're going to truly pray with me. Yeah. They're going to truly get down into the mess with me. They're yep. going to get into the wine vat that you talked about. Yep. They're going to get into the part of my soul and pray with me so that I might be healed. Yeah. That's the, that's the confession. It's this dis- dis- distribution I'm That's having, good. I must be getting tired or something. <laughs> I'm stumbling over my word. But it's the redistribution of all of my my faults, all of yeah. my problems. It's sharing the load, but also gets you to that that chapter in um where is it in Peter where he talks about removing it's like removing the boulder yes, off of yes, someone, yes, rolling yes. rolling the Absolutely. the boulders off of people's life. Yep. That's what we're doing. Yes. Yeah. And, That's and, what we do as a church. And it's a necessary part of your life. It is 100% necessary for you to say things out loud that are going on in the inside of your head. It does a couple of different things. The first thing it does for you is it makes you realize that you have power over that thing. Yeah, absolutely. That, that thought, no longer, the more you, okay, so it's like the story. Little Timmy tells his mom, he says, Mom, there's a dragon on the end of my bed. Yeah. And she says, a dragon? And although mom sees the dragon, she says, Oh, no, there's not a dragon at the end of your bed, Timmy. Just go to sleep, baby. So the next day, Timmy says, Mom, there's, the dragon's in my room again, and uh, he looks a little bit bigger this time. And the dragon, she's, or his mom comes up to his room, and she says, I don't see a dragon in here. And so mom and dad continue to deny the dragon over and over and over. And Timmy's like, hey, guys, this dragon's getting pretty big. And... Uh, Eventually, the dragon gets so big that its wings burst out of the house and it flies away with the house. And Timmy says, hey, can we talk about this dragon now? Can we talk about the dragon now? (laughs) And uh, so mom and dad finally start to have conversations about the dragon. And immediately, immediately, the dragon begins to shrink. And eventually, the dragon vanishes. And the whole idea is that if you don't talk about the problem, guess what? It's only going to get it's bigger. Grow wings and fly you off with your house. Exactly. It's like, oh, we talk about the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. That this is the thing that nobody wants to talk about. Like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, you know? <laughs> and it's like, look, if you don't start having those conversations, uh, and, and, and going back to the prayer thing, prayer is a place where those conversations can take place. They take place with God. They yeah. take place with yourself. 
you're in communion with God and, and, and with yourself all at the same time. But you need to say it out loud, and I mean that literally. You need to say those words out loud. You need to write them down sometimes. You need to write down your thoughts. Get them out of your head, okay? That's the whole thing. Get it out of your head. Get it on a piece of paper. Get it out in the open. Talk, talk it through with a brother. Talk it through with a sister. And we're not talking about the ones that are... I, listen, I don't, I don't mean to stereotype, but we're not talking about going to the beauty salon and talking oh, to the God. hairstylist the whole time I'm in there and talking about Sister Hoosie Watsy and Sister So-and-so and how they got this going on and that going on. That's not, what we're, that's not the kind of confession that we're talking about. We're talking about the kind of confession that you're going to be able to go to... I could go to my brother... And I can say this, I can go to this man and I can say to him what's going on and he'll pray with me. He won't, he, won't just, he won't just take it and then give it to somebody else or he won't just take it and not do anything with it, but he'll pray with me, he'll pray about it. I know that I can go to him and because of that I'll be healed. And, and that's, that's, how that, that's how that happens. Now, there's a connection in all of this, whether it's through prayer or it's communion or it's this confession or whatever the thing is, it's like Brent talked about, this, it's like this infinite loop of uh, I'm blessed because I'm giving mercy, I'm obtaining mercy because I'm giving mercy, it's through suffering that I get this mercy, and then I give this mercy because I see the suffering, because I have suffered, yeah. and then there's this infinite loop, and or you can even say it's a circle, right? Because a circle is this infinite line, right? right. And so... And it's the same thing. It's, the idea is called perichoresis. Yeah. We talked about the Godhead in the beginning. That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? That Father, Son, Holy Ghost, all three parts are one. That in the beginning, they were in this, what, what is called perichoresis, the state of perichoresis. And the, it was literally the circle dance. That's, that's the literal translation of it. There's this circular dance that is happening within God and that we were included in that in the right. in the beginning, and that because we were we were disconnected from God, right? That now through Jesus Christ we can be reconnected and brought into this infinite, right? This infinite loop of mercy, right. grace, of you know, just this experience with God. That now we can join hand in hand with the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and that we can we can join in in our in our previous reality or, or our true what our true nature should be so i enjoyed it i thought it was great if we we'll try to get those photos of notre dame in there and uh get that inputted so folks can see that really really beautiful images if you can see them. obviously the destruction we don't i don't think that's yeah, beautiful but i'm know. saying the beauty in in all of that destruction and yeah. all that chaos that all the beauty that came out of that uh or that could be seen in in those photos so um, pray for us brother dismiss us Lord thank you for this night and thank you always for the opportunity to get to share the scripture and just share some of the light that we've received not in a way in which to, to tell people how to live but just show light and give examples through the scripture that you've given to us and God that's part of what your grace does it gives us the opportunity to live our life and live it with the signs that you deliver and living it, even walking through darkness at times, but in those moments, you lead us to a place where all of a sudden you say, let there be light. Yeah. 
and all of a sudden we are shown about just like they were on the Mount of Transfiguration, and we see you differently. And even though that day Peter, James, and John, that they, they wanted to do something different when they saw the transfigured Christ, but still with us, and when we see you in that light, and we see you surrounded by the cloud of witness, that we, we, we see the trueness of who you are. We yes. see the beauty of who you are. And just like John said, that when we see you, we'll be like you, because yes. we'll see you, we'll see him as he is. God, continue to reveal yourself to us through the scriptures, through the allegories, through the stories. Continue to reveal your nature and your character to us so that we can live and live well in this, we- in this world. Yes. And we believe that you will continue to add to us daily. And we, yes. we thank you and praise you for everything that you're doing in our life and in our church. And thank we bless you. you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.